Hi, and welcome to Doorways to Learning, where we celebrate the work of educators all over the world who are focusing on 21st century skills with the purpose of giving our young and older learners the opportunities to develop those skills that technology still can't do. I'm Donna, and I'm passionate about these chats. Is there my opportunity to connect you, to connect you to educators you might not otherwise know about, and to open doors to ways of learning that expand our imagination and the world of possibilities that we have in learning? So what is so important about 21st century skills? We began talking about them in the last episode. So basically, what I was saying is that content in the classroom doesn't matter as much, and I want to be very careful to say that it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as the skills that students need to assimilate that content. And what in the world do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to give you an example between knowing facts and knowing how to use those facts, to process them, to analyze them, to discern, and then how to make imaginative decisions, all right? So I feel like I've had a pretty straightforward trajectory to where I am now. I work with teachers in workshops, and I do coaching sessions with administrators and coordinators of school districts. But actually, the more I think about it, it's not really as straightforward at all as I thought. I have what some people consider a fairly unconventional life, and I've made less than traditional choices, but I'm really happy with them. And the very fact that I've done that, I've lived less than what was prescribed by me in my little town where I grew up, means that I am more capable of accepting resistance I see in the teachers I work with. Because When we want to make changes, when it actually comes to making the change, our whole system goes on red alert and our bodies and our emotions fill up with adrenaline and we we lose sight of the, the bigger picture. So we're more like deers in headlights than anything. Think polyvagal theory. I just had a podcast with Justin Senseri, who is incredible, and he explains how it's biological. It's not something that's cognitive, something that we can control necessarily. We have to do a lot of breathing and relax into it. The point is that if we don't have a lot of differences in our, in our past, then changes sometimes are very difficult to make because our very bio, our very bodies have trouble assimilating it. So when we have experiences that shake up our system a lot, we become more accustomed to changes. Think about it. Think about changes that you've made. Do you do it easily? Is it difficult for you? Um, have you do you live a routine? that it's difficult for you to change. Think about your day-to-day and then week-to-week and then what have you done over the years? Um, Have your very body, have you given it opportunities to have alternatives, to be spontaneous? I always thought actually I was spontaneous and I'm not, but I do have a lot of different experiences. So instead of all, you know, this general theoretical stuff I'm throwing out, I happen to love metaphors, I'm a literature teacher, but I get lost in imagery, and what I really need to do is give you some specific examples, right? And I will do that. So let me start very briefly. A few years after graduating from college, I decided to buy a plane ticket to go around the world. I wanted to hitchhike through New Zealand and Australia. I wanted to backpack through Asia and then go through 
you know, hop over as many borders of Europe as possible before going back to my apartment in the East Village of New York City. I almost didn't make it past the first country. So, and when you're hitchhiking around the world, you meet the same group of friends, you meet some of the same people if you're on the same trajectory. And I had this group of friends in the hostels in the North Island in New Zealand, and we we're going to meet again in the South Island. So we set a date, sort of, you know, around a date, we set um, a hostel. And I took the ferry across by myself. I was a photographer at that point and had this incredible camera, I took these pictures of the incredible scenery the universe has, I just say, so generously designed between the two ports, between North and South uh, New Zealand. Got off, set myself up on the highway to get a ride to the hostel where I would re-meet these friends in the hostel. So mm, I just want to go back really quickly because this is an educational podcast, and I just want to make sure that we have this strain this common thread that I'm talking about, which is in this case, the 21st century skills. I had all the facts. I'd done all the physical machinations to get from one island to another. I had the address of my destination. I had the details. What I didn't have was ways to really manipulate all of this in the case that something different happened than it was expected. That's exactly what happened. Something a little unexpected. And I did not have the tools to really discern what the safest way out of this was. So I'm going to share it with you and you tell me what you would have done and if 21st century skills would have helped. All right. So I set myself up on the road, stuck out my pointer finger because in New Zealand, it's the pointer finger, not your thumb that you hitchhike with. Just little details in case you want to do it. And in no time at all, a car stopped. An enormous Maori guy stuck his head out the window, gave me this gorgeous smile and asked me where I was going. I told him, he said he'd be very happy to take me most of the way. And this was really wonderful because it was hostel pretty far away from the port. So I threw my backpack into the trunk of his car and we took off. So we had some interesting conversation because when you're hitchhiking, these people pick you up because they want to learn about you. And they, you know, if they pick you up and they know you're a foreigner, they want to know about your past and why you're hitchhiking through New Zealand or wherever you're, you're there for. So we talked, I was hypnotized by the incredible scenery on both sides of the highway. And then my host asked me then if I'd mind if he took a bit of a detour to check out his orchards. So not thinking a lot about it, I said, sure. I mean, I have no schedule. My friends are waiting for me at the hospital, but tonight or tomorrow, no big deal. And why not check out his orchard instead of asking him to get out of the car and try to find another ride? I told him I didn't mind, and he swerved off the highway to take the next ramp and the exit. It was only then, it was only then that I happened to glance at the back seat where I saw an enormous axe and cartridges of what my mind slowly processed could only be a double, could only be for a double barrel rifle. Now, here's where someone else might have acted differently. I didn't scream. I didn't open the door and throw myself out. I didn't even ask him, why is there an axe and cartridges in the back car? No, no, no. That would have required mental flexibility. It would have required self-confidence in my ability to analyze different proactive responses to the situation. So what I did do was froze with a smile on my face as we descended into the darkest, densest, forested hills and valleys you can ever imagine, 
Although, now thinking about it, of course you can imagine it, because if you've seen The Lord of the Rings, that's where it was filmed. And if you remember the characters, well, I'm probably going to get this wrong, so if you're a, a fervent follower of The Lord of the Rings, please forgive me. But it's kind of when Frodo is trying not to get found by the black hooded horseback riders, and there are ghosts and scary things swarming all around. That's what it was like. Now, I don't really remember many details in the car between that exit ramp and our arrival at his orchard. I can only imagine he kept speaking and asking me questions, and I probably answered him with that frozen (laughs) smile on my face and the axe, the vision of the axe spiraling around in my brain. But I don't remember too much. But I do remember is when we arrived at the orchard, it turns out to be a marijuana crop. (laughs) And it was big. And the closer we got, the happier my, my host was. So in these, in my brain, deep into my brain, I began wondering perhaps if there was a Maori ritual that he was going to use me for, the blood of a foreigner to enrich the soil and bless it for years to come. And maybe the more blood, the more blessings. So, but all I did is get out of the car and waited forever for whatever was going to happen. In the end... You probably know that either there is no such Maori ritual or he took pity on an absolutely idiotic North American hitchhiker because I'm here to tell the tale. But what eventually happened was he reached in the back to get his axe, but it was to chop down weeds and broken branches with this enormous piece of equipment that God only knows what he might have done with it. So he wanted to just weed his hemp crop. And then he sat down next to me and rolled two of the most enormous joints you can ever imagine and insisted I smoke one of them. Now, I have to tell you, if I partook in this, in smoking marijuana, smoking pot, often I would tell you, but I didn't. And so I really didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I better smoke that joint because otherwise, who knows what might have happened. In the end, we got into the car and I started laughing, didn't know why. But he drove me to the door of my hostel, was still laughing when I said goodbye to him and said thank you so much, laughing even more when I found my friends inside and told them what was happening, laughed for three or four more hours after that. And they finally, my, these guys finally explained to me that some marijuana, some hemp plants are more, um, they, they kind of give you this idea that it's hysterics, that your body wants to laugh instead of hallucination. And so... That's the type of marijuana crop that he had, but it was quite an experience. I think about it now, the naivete of getting into a car without thinking about what was going to happen. I didn't have a backup plan in case it all went south, and that's metaphorically because we were literally going south. So knowing that, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about before. There actually is a connection between that event and 21st century skills, because instead of having rote information that was drilled into my mind when I was a youth, when I was growing up, and even into university. If I had been schooled the way I encourage teachers to school their children, their students today, to analyze a situation from all the angles, right from the beginning, as a routine, as a way of thinking, maybe I wouldn't have gotten in that car. Maybe I would have asked questions before throwing my backpack in the trunk. Maybe I would have said something else, um, but when he said, listen, can I go check out my orchard? Who knows? But all I did was freeze, and that's not acceptable in any situation. So 
My example today are the reasons why I love to have the guests that I do on the roster of my podcast because they share ways they're helping learners to explain their minds, think in divergent ways, explore different options, just basically see life from many different angles and perspectives so that we really analyze what we're doing in life. And this is something that technology still can't do. Um, do I regret having this adventure in the bowels of Southern New Zealand? No, no way. But it really wasn't the best situation in the world. And although it's a great story, I want my students, I want the people who are in school now to really think a little more than I did in that part and have their minds with um, a lot more tracks, a lot more critical thinking going on. I just think that I really have some overworked guardian angels getting me out of challenging situations because there are a lot of these stories in my past and I'm going to share them with you if you're interested. So hopefully these podcasts are part of my soul contract with my guides and I'll keep going for a little while. I would love you to tell me which 21st century skills might have been helpful in this situation. Was it problem solving, negotiation? Would mental flexibility have worked in this situation? Emotional intelligence? Probably not service orientation, but there are five more. Analytic thinking and orientation, resilience, stress tolerance. The eighth one is reasoning and ideation. The ninth one is creativity and initiative. And the last one, leadership and social influence. Probably not those, but which one of them might, which one of those might've helped me a little more. So let me know what you think. And there's no one correct answer. I'm very careful about saying that. There are a lot of appropriate answers. As long as you can justify it, it's beautiful. So I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to opening more doors next week to explore other educational possibilities. All right, so have a fabulous few days and I look forward to more contact.